You know what I mean? Nice light you got behind you there. Is that new? Oh, that. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, it's been. I've had that for a while. Uh, it's just mm. it's, it's made its first appearance on camera. Ooh, professional. Yeah. It's just plugged into the the wall. Sarah and I shot um, our uh, pickup videos, and then I did a little video. So. I saw something. Uh, Nintendo ROMs, right? Yeah. And then uh, the Atari Creep did a uh, a follow-up video, a response video. Response? Are you allowed yeah. to do that on YouTube anymore? Yeah. Well, I don't think there's like an official, like before there was a whole setup where you do a response video. Yeah, you and people... could, and I guess it linked it directly. Yeah, yeah. So it doesn't do that, but technically you could still make a response video. Well, yeah, you can do whatever you want. Right. But... I was flattered. I was like, wow, I wasn't expecting... You know, you put stuff out there. You're not expecting anyone to have any sort of reaction or anything. Just maybe a few comments or whatever. And if someone does something like that, it's like, wow. It was cool. Somebody's paying attention to you. Yeah. Nice. It's so nice. I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks, buddy. <laughs> I've been busy. Yeah. We're having to record on an alternate night. Yeah, Is- hey. Things happen. Is this the show? Are we do? Are we going to do a professional opening, or what's going on here? I really I, like. No offense to these movies, but I really just want to do a regular Fandango. We could do that, sure. This is, we just this is, uh, no. I mean, um, no. Let, let's. Are you saying you don't want to make it a film dango? You just want to make it a fan dango where we talk? Well, I about... just feel like talking because, and also, I don't remember these movies that well. That's great. <laughs> So you prepared. <laughs> awesome. Well, we watched these so like, like a month ago, right? Well, well longer than that. More? We Okay, so I went back and looked. I, it was May when we did our last film dango. And then we started getting well, the ball rolling. Was that rolling. the Tarantino one? Yeah. Okay, so now we're just setting a pattern. These things have taken forever. Yeah. Well, I mean, the summer was, was busy. And then we, you know, we had... People vote on what we wanted to do, I think, next or whatever. I don't know. I can't remember. Anyways, I had to re-watch uh, yeah, two of the movies so I could be prepared for this. Because I, it wanted had to. Been... I really wanted to, uh, to re-watch Bullet, at least. Uh, the other two are kind of fresh. but Yeah. Well, I, um, I, I wouldn't have. If we didn't record on a Monday like we are, I wouldn't have made, gotten Bullet, Bullet in again. But I had to get Smokey and the Bandit in again, even though I had seen that movie the most out of all of them. I just want, I needed a refresher. Because I thought mm-hmm. this was, this is the movie, I thought for sure Smokey and the Bandit's the movie that Richard's going to have the most complaints about. So I wanted to be ready with my ammunition. <laughs> I wanted to reload and get ready. See, then if you, if you know these things are going to cause me trouble and aggravate me, and you're going to have to deal with all this. Aggravate? Why oh do you gosh. recommend it? Oh my, well, because I think... Because you, you, I can't read you like a book. I can't fully. I just have a feeling, right? I'm a complicated man. Well, okay. So I had, I have an idea of what Smokey and the Bandit is because I had watched it a long time ago, right? Mm-hmm. And then when I rewatched it for this, I said, you know, because I got the Blu-ray. Yeah, let's rewatch. I want to watch this again. Let's do this movie. And I rewatch it, and I'm like, hmm. So I'm watching. I'm like, oh, I know, I know what Richard's going to pick apart about this movie. I just know exactly where the big point of contention he's going to have <laughs> so i put it all in my head and then i had to, i had to rewatch it again so to make sure that i'm even my rewatch was on point so anyways 
You want to just talk about these movies? You want to just start with yeah, the first? Let's go one? ahead. All right, let's go with uh, Bullet. Uh, Bullet. Oh, let me. Oh, I didn't open. I didn't open up the Google Docs this time. So you, you go ahead. Talk yeah, about Bullet. We're going through. We start the show. Yeah. Uh, hello, how are you? Podcast summary. We talk about three movies. I like that. Yeah, that's the summary. We talk about three movies. No, the whole the whole uh, gist of the the show is gone now. Yep. Let's talk about three movies. That's it. Short and simple. Yep. Still to be put... fair, though, we did we did have a good premise for this show. I think so. I think it's just getting difficult to find movies that I haven't seen now. There's yeah. a bunch of movies you haven't seen, but... No, find... this is good. I, I keep it as simple as possible. We talk three movies. Then we got That's freedom it. to do There's whatever we want. There's a common theme between them. Okay. okay. Are we going to play the trailer for Bullet, at least? Be that professional? It may, it may have already played. Oh, Okay. <laughs> speed pursuit two men are killed an officer in the hospital a witness almost murdered captain baker would like to have a word with you now listen to me lieutenant all right nail him i want him written off do you let anything reach you i mean really reach you or are you so used to it by now that nothing really touches you living in a sewer, Frank. Day after day. With you, living with violence is a way of life. Living with violence and death. The way Frank Bullitt's swinging, you know he's heading for a crash with that wall of official disapproval. Chicago blood starts spilling in San Francisco. They hand bullet the mark. Now, what went wrong, Lieutenant? Who else knew where he was? What? Who else knew where he was? What have you been implying? Well, they knew where to look for him and they used your name to get in. Are you suggesting I disclosed his whereabouts? You believe what you want. You work your side of the street and I'll work mine. Down? Go for it. Uh, sure, here we go. Uh, Bullet, 1968. Uh, Senator Walter Chalmers is aiming to take down mob boss Pete Rose. Pete Rose? I think it was Pete Ross. Ross. Yeah. Oh, Pete but it Ross. is Pete Rose. No, Ross, yes. There's a two S's there. 
There you go. Pete Ross, with the help of testimony from the criminal's hothead brother, who is in protective custody in San Francisco under watch of police lieutenant Frank Bullitt. You have to be a detective when you have a name like Frank Bullitt. Absolutely. That's like, what other line of work could you get into? When a pair of mob hitmen enter the scene, Bullet follows the trail through a maze of complications and double crosses. This thriller includes one of the most famous car chases ever filmed. Uh, we got a bunch of people who are in the movie. Steve McQueen, Robert Vaughn, Don Gordon, Jacqueline Bissette. Yep. Bissette, or yep. is it like French? Bisset. Bisset. I, she Bisset. puts She puts the T in there. Robert Duvall mm-hmm. as Weisberg. Very small role. Yep. Bobby Duvall here. Bobby D. And Norman Fell mm-hmm. as Captain Baker. I got to admit, I had him confused at first with Jack Klugman. Oh, yeah. I could see that. But but then after a while, because he was, he was so downplayed compared to Mr. Roper. Yeah. And outside. Yeah, I could, I could totally I've see seen, that. I've seen Jack Klugman in a lot of other things, a lot of older movies and TV shows, but uh, Norman Fell, I only knew him from Three's Company. Yeah, he's one of those guys that had, uh, he had the respect uh, in, in the acting community. He was like a serious actor when he took on <laughs> the Three's Company roles, and people were like, why are you doing this crappy sitcom and that? And then now that's what he's mostly known for. Yeah, it's well, kind, he it's got kind some of like, money off of that. Yeah, it's and, kind and of they did like, a spinoff, right? It didn't last, but... The Ropers, yeah. It, at their own show. It's like uh, what's uh, Ben Kenobi? Um, why am I blanking on his name? Alec Guinness. Yeah, same deal. Res- huge respect in the acting community. You know, real serious actor. Why are you doing the Star Wars crap? Now, well, I couldn't even think of his name. I can only think of Ben Kenobi. <laughs> there you go. All right. So this movie, uh, let's see. Bullet came out in 1968, directed by Peter Yates. Mm-hmm. And for your information, Frank Bullet's car is a 1968 Ford Mustang GT. And the villain's car is a 1968 Dodge Charger RT. So all of these movies that we're going to be talking about, I thoroughly enjoyed. I, 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 I'm I, a fan of these, and I'm introducing these to Richard for the first time. So, um, oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, I, forgot, I forgot that these are all movies I hadn't seen before. Uh, so, Richard, uh, yeah, what did you think of Bullet? I'm curious to know. Well... Seriously, like I, I watched this a while ago, and the night that I watched it, I may have dozed off a little bit during the film. Yeah. Um, not for the film, though. I enjoyed it. I, I, I enjoyed the movie. Um, I enjoyed the fact that this is, I, I think the three of these are movies that will not be made anymore. Absolutely. You know, the the yeah. style of filmmaking mm-hmm. is just dead. Uh, mm-hmm. There's nobody who would take on this. This type of film and you know in some cases well i guess we'll get to it for each film but um yeah it's a very slow film it's a very slow it was a 1968 mm-hmm. they took their time back then to tell stories to build characters to establish motivation to uh set up um the tension and payoff for all these things classic filmmaking you know all, all the stuff that's dead now um I, a lot of the plot is, is out of my head. Mm. You know, I, I can't remember much of it. I remember they said a bullet, you know, his, um, his partner, somebody comes to the house to wake him up, says, Hey, we got a case going on. You get a good sense of who bullet is, what his lifestyle is, which is kind of what has become the cliche of the detective, yeah. the, the hothead cop in all of these movies where yeah. he's 
it's kind of a mess. He's a loner. He doesn't have a good relationship with anybody and all that. Um, he's got an awesome car. Doesn't play by the rules. All the cliche stuff. But uh, Steve McQueen uh, totally pulls it off. He's a great character. He he made that character who he was. You know, it, he had that coolness, that that loner style. And yeah, I I really enjoyed the movie. I just couldn't tell you a single thing about it. Other than that, the car chase really is excellent. And yeah. the best part, the car chase. Sorry, from jumping ahead is that they take the time to set it up. It's not just, boom, get in the car and have a chase. There's a solid two or three minutes of the air quotes car chase that is not a chase. It's, it's just a slow follow. Mm-hmm. And you know, you're kind of waiting and waiting for it to happen. You know it's going to happen. But it's a lot of the mind games. He doesn't want to tip his hand. You know, He doesn't want to be seen. He's got to follow slowly the way that you know, a cop should handle uh, that scenario. Well, at first, they're tailing him. They're look. Yeah, they're, yeah sorry. Yeah, they're they're like, they think they're incognito, and they're trying to find an opportunity to kill him, to to white rub him out, and uh, they don't realize that they tip their hand. So he ditches them, and then he pops up in their rear view mirror. Right, and yes, then that's yes. where they play a cool for a little bit. But then uh, they tried to then they tried to lose them, and that's where the car chase shenanigans uh, begin. Um, so yeah, car chase is going to be. Did you want to? Do you have anything else to um, say? It, it's going to be a running theme with yeah. all these. Uh, maybe maybe a little bit less with Smokey and the Bandit. Maybe. But the great thing about the car chase with uh, Bullet and the French Connection. They don't say a word. Yeah. They just chase. Yes. It's not full of stupid one-liners and sight gags and, you know, reaction shots. It, it It's the normal reactions. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, you're, you're hitting on... They're, they're uh, very realistic. Yes. They're you're hit, very realistic chases. You're hitting on a few tentpoles on why the car chase in this movie is so iconic. So, in all the way up to the early days of film, even the silent film era... Car chases were usually reserved for uh, comedies or screwball comedies or really wacky movies. They were always something that was really outrageous. Uh, you think back to the early days of film and the Keystone uh, Cops kind of thing, mm-hmm. even uh, Laurel and Hardy. Um, you know, there, there was always like something wacky going on with the car chase. It was never something that was really in a quote-unquote serious uh, film. Uh, in the '60s, they started getting a little, started getting a little more, but it was still kind of goofy, like your James Bond kind of thing. Um, but even uh, those James Bond movies, there was a lot of uh, close-up of actors in a studio with the uh, moving set behind them because you would never put yeah. a real actor in there, and that. So, a couple of things that made the car chase in this movie uh, stand out amongst the others was that this is a serious movie. It's meant to be taken serious, and they wanted to have a realistic car chase. There is no close-up shots of, you know, actors standing in front of moving sets behind them or anything like that, uh, or saying anything. They are just in a car chase, and they are zipping through the streets of San Francisco. So even though it is a bit of a stretch, uh, you you got to stretch your your belief. This is something that could theoretically happen. This car chase is something that could happen happen in real life there's nothing in it that really um it, it just it goes beyond belief you know they're not jumping over a creek bed or anything like that you know 
All yeah, the f- there's no police academy fruit stand. Right. Yeah. <laughs> demolished. It's um, it, it's a, a lot of it is how it's shot. Like you said, there's no studio stuff. Everything is actually in the car. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, through the windshield. Mm-hmm. You know, the cameras put right there so you can see what they're doing, especially when they're going over those iconic San Francisco hills. You yeah. know, the, the roads that just go down and down and down. And um, so th- there are some great reverse shots of that as well, where the camera's down at the bottom and you see the car dip out of sight because it's going into one of those um, plateaus on the road. And then suddenly it pops right back up, gets a little bit of air and yeah. then goes down again. Yeah. Um, it, it's Think about any time that you've watched the news and you see footage like, oh, there was a weird car crash today, blah, 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 t- terrible danger. And you watch it and you, you get that, ooh, reaction where it's like oh that was a little dangerous that Mm. car went near that person you know at kind of a high speed and then you compare that to the fast and the furious where they're you're zipping through buildings and over tanks and underwater or whatever they do in those things it's that real sense of danger where the cars are like wow he he came within a foot of that other car and he screeched around and Everything feels so real because it was. They yeah. just put people in cars and, and raced them around the city. Yeah, they shot, uh, like, they actually reached speeds of 70 to 75 miles per hour in a lot of the cars. And uh, the cars that had cameras on them would even reach higher speeds because they would have to be ahead of the cars as they'd come around the corner and that. So they would zip ahead mm. even faster to get the shots of the cars coming towards the camera kind of thing. And if they were going too slow, you wouldn't get that sense of speed, right? Because the cars would just zip by you. So you needed that long shot to get like the cars coming around the corners and that. And it's funny because now there's so much safety involved that like they would not be able to do this movie today. Just shoot that scene today. There's just too many regulations, too many camera tricks, too many computer-generated ways to get around these things that you yep. ju- you wouldn't uh, see it. Um, I-, I agree with you on the on the film itself it is a char i think there's it's a charming film to look back at um but you have to put yourself in the mindset that a lot of this stuff in this movie hadn't become cliched yet it's like watching an early james bond film it hadn't been spoofed so many times it hadn't been something that you've seen on tv dozens and dozens of times over like you look at 70s television uh, a lot of it is derived from these 60s films you know they were you know uh, cut down side, uh, you know, compressed versions of these of these movies. And uh, at the time, this was this would have been something that would have been a little little fresh and new, especially to see a car chase on that level. Um, there is a few things, though. I do feel like uh, Jacqueline Bissett's character and her time in this movie is is kind of a waste. It just kind of blog, it bogs the movie down a bit. There's really no point to her being there other than I think they just needed a girl in this movie to sell to the studio. Like, you got to have a girl, you know, you got to put a girl in there somewhere. She doesn't really add too much. Maybe a little bit of depth to Steve McQueen's character. But um, I don't I don't know. I don't think it was really necessary because they kind of play in both ways. Right. He is a, a loner. Well, like an outcast kind of, kind of, but, uh, and I, I don't know, I guess his relationship with this girl was supposed to emphasize that how like she couldn't, I mean, there's one point where he takes her out on, on a call. He, he gets desperate. He, he needs a car to get out, uh, uh, to, 
to search for this uh, guy that they're searching for. They're searching for his uh, for this girl that's involved in this case, and he needs a car. And in order to get out there, all the cars were taken in the in the police station. So in order to get there, he borrows his girlfriend's car and takes her out with him. Like, and she thinks they're going out somewhere, out on a a trip, a nice little pleasant day trip somewhere. When in reality, he's taking her to this crime scene, you know. <laughs> hey, let me just drop, let me just, I got to do something at this hotel. Leaves her in the parking lot. She's sitting in the parking lot. All of a sudden, all these cop cars start showing up and everything. So she follows them to find out what's going on. And, you know, there's a dead body inside the room. <laughs> you know, so I, I guess, like, those kind of things are supposed to show that he's more of a an outsider. But I think you kind of get it. You didn't really need all that exposition. But I, I think they just needed Jacqueline Bissett in this movie, you know, to sell put her on the poster kind of thing because there's no there's no other women in this in this movie really no no not any not anyone of any importance a few nurses and things in the mm-hmm. hospital but uh yeah i don't know maybe they were, they were it was something new they were figuring it out and it i don't know if everybody is just copying this as the prototype and then that just kind of became the thing yeah at the uh, the overworked detective, the workaholic, always has to have uh, some relationship that's falling apart. Yeah. I, yeah, I guess to make you feel for him a little bit, make you root for him a little bit. I don't know. I'm, yeah. kind, of, I'm t- kind of talking myself into these scenes, but I still feel as if they, they bogged it down. I still... Uh, I no, got it. Still, it's an entertaining watch. Yep. And, you know, it's the movie is very slow, and, and McQueen doesn't say a whole lot. He's really quite quiet uh, throughout the film, and it's that Steve McQueen charm. They need an actor who could pull that off, who could just get around with uh, having the moody eyes and stand there and, and let the tension build and let the scenes happen. Um, yeah, well, there wasn't a constant need for to grab the viewer's attention. You know, you were you were sitting there, you were invested in this movie. This was what you were going to watch for two hours and ten minutes. You weren't going to be looking down at your phone or checking text messages or something. They didn't need to shout at something at you every every <laughs> you know five seconds. You know, and say, "Hey, we're still here. We're, watch up. this movie." Yeah. You know, there's not a lot of uh, witty dialogue in that. There's a few scenes here and there, uh, but yeah, he just like the, the for instance. Um, at the, towards the beginning of the film, um, they they get the job that they're going to have to look after this guy uh, for a weekend. Uh, he was a, a a witness in a case that they're going to need uh, on Monday morning, but he needed protection for the weekend. So um, one of the Steve McQueen's the lieutenant, and one of the the people that working for him, one of the cops working for him, says, "Hey, lieutenant, um, if we're working the weekend, can I have two days off during the week?" and that is a moment in today's film where they would have shot probably, you know, 20 to 25 responses. And out of all those, they would have picked the best one. Where in this movie, Steve McQueen just gives them a look. You know, they just look at each other. He gives them a look and then that's it. And they move off. And that is something that you just don't see in films today. But you get it. You get it, you know. Yeah. Just from that one look. So. All right. So I think you liked it. I think you like bullet overall. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. Like I said, it's it's hard to pick out details because the it, I'm sure they're there. I'm I'm really sure they're there. But it, it's kind of like what you just said about how you don't have to try the 25 different takes. You know, the look does it. Yeah. And that's what the movie does. It it has a certain tone, a certain atmosphere. It seems like all the actors are on the same page where. 
they, they understand what the movie's supposed to be and nobody's trying to, to outdo one another or anything like that. And, and they all just play their roles nicely and you get a very entertaining watch. But I can't tell you anything about it. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, well... Um, I'm, I'm really fuzzy on the ending of this movie, too. Like, like, are, are we doing spoilers for this? I don't think we were supposed to, right? Uh, in case other people want to see it. Well, I wouldn't spoil this because I'm sure there's a lot of other people out there who haven't seen it. Yeah. Some of the younger listeners. and Yeah, I... I, yeah, definitely. All right, I'll I'll Give keep it. Watch. Don't don't spoil it. I won't. All right, so it gets a recommendation from me. I, I I really enjoy this movie, and this movie kind of spawned um, uh, in a lot of filmmakers' minds, and uh, it just it it gave them an idea that you know a car chase can be something that can be effective in a serious movie. You still had the goofball movies coming out in the late '60s and all that. You know, you had your Herbie the Love Bug and all that stuff. But uh, it seemed like there was just this renaissance in car chase movies uh, in the 70s. And one of the movies, one of the films that uh, was derived from Bullet is uh, The French Connection. And that is the movie we're going to talk about right now. All right, Popeye's here. Get your hands on your heads. Get off the bar and get on the wall. What's my name? Popeye Doyle. If he doesn't like you, he'll take you apart. And it's all perfectly legal because Doyle fights dirty. You want to take a ride there, fat man? And plays rough. Anybody want a milkshake? Doyle is bad news, but he's a good cop. We're going now. Bye. How many times have I been down hard and looked up and saw him smiling like a shining dime? Yeah. And hoped that he would stay and tell me why he was so happy if he had a Who is that clown? Jewish lucky, man. What about the last of big time spenders? You make him? No, you. Spreading it around like the Russians are in Jersey. They say we stick around and give him a tail. Our friend's name is Boca, Salvatore Boca, B-O-C-A. From downtown, they're pretty sure he pulled off a contract on a guy named DeMarco. And that's not a drop, I'll open up a charge for you at Bloomingdale's. B-O-C-A. Doesn't matter. And then on our own, after working a whole day and night, we tailed him to Brooklyn. And we sat on him for practically a week. Now, who do we come up with? The French Connection. A millionaire exporter with a record too clean to be true. And Doyle knows it. But he's been known to make mistakes. Your hunches have backfired before, Doyle. This time, he can't afford to be wrong. Last time you're dead certain, we aren't the dead cop. All right, let's hit him. Hit him! All right, nobody move. Put your hands in the air. The stakeout. The payoff. Chase. Don't stop. Hey, Coke, you all right?
Orange Connection. Okay, so the trailer played, and now we're going to talk about the French Connection. It came out came out in 1971, and this was the rundown that I got from Google. It says New York detective Popeye Doyle and his partner chase a French heroin smuggler. And that's it. <laughs> so that's what Google gives you. That's all I'm going to give you too. That's what they do. Yeah, that's you it. know what? A good movie. Uh, you know, you don't need much more than that. That's it. This that's the yeah. premise. There you go. So it is, uh, yeah, it takes place in New York, and uh, it uh, it is derived from um, uh, this uh, uh, kind of biography uh, book uh, by a guy, Popeye Doyle. He was a real cop, and uh, it, this movie is based on that book. I don't know if he was actually chasing uh, subway cars in, in uh, you know, in a, in a real car kind of thing, but... Um, I guess this actually happened where they actually were chasing a French heroin dealer who was smuggling heroin into New York from France, and they could not uh, figure out how it was done. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the movie stars uh, Gene Hackman as Popeye Doyle. you got your Roy Schneider, uh, who was great in this movie, as this detect- was, yeah. detective buddy Cloudy Russo. And Fernando Rey as, now this is his name in the movie, Alan Frog One, Chanier. Frog One. They did. There was a lot of <laughs> racism in this movie. Uh, yeah, totally. They're uh, they're cops in the '60s, and they're not. Uh, it's it's weird because it's like it's like as if racism back then was just more on the surface. Like if a white guy dropped the N word, he was just referring to some black people, you know. And now it is like. I mean, I don't think it was ever right, but it just, I think it was just taken in a different context. He wasn't trying to insult anyone. He was well, just kind of I, describing the yeah, scene kind of thing. Back then, back then it was, people were much more aware that there were different groups that had come together, but they, they, they were still very different. You know, yeah. Th- things were isolated. It was kind of understood. That's one group. That's another group. And you know, it's not like they didn't intermix in any way, but it was still regarded as those are the groups. It was more socially and, and, acceptable than it is today. And it's not saying that it was ever right and not saying that right. it was better it, back then. It was just this. If you want something real that was taken at that time, uh, uh, you got to treat it as something real. You can't whitewash that stuff and pretend that it never happened. You know, so this movie puts all of that in your face there was definitely you know race class happening in uh new york city and the language reflects that yeah and you can tell it's not done in a it's not really done in a hateful way as much as it is uh yeah I mean, when there, was there were just many, many groups coming the, together, and that, that was just how it was. When was the last time you've seen the hero of a movie, Gene Hackman playing Papa Doyle, hero of the movie, dropping the n bomb? It, it just it wouldn't happen today. It wouldn't fly today. He would be the no, guy no, who I would never. Of course, it would never fly uh, in a film or in any situation. Now, I mean, basically, that happens, and suddenly you are guilty of hating everybody. Right. Yes. Are you there? I am. I see a frozen picture, though, but I am here and I can hear you. Okay. Yeah. Okay, there, you're back now. 
Yeah, so uh, very free with the language yeah. in this movie. Uh, was, yeah, just a sign of the times. So just should mention that this this movie is also directed by William Friedkin, uh, who also directed Freakin? The Exorcist. That's his other big movie. I think I said Friedkin. Friedkin? I don't know. How, William Friedkin. Friedkin. Uh, okay, and Papa Doyle's car that he chases a train in in this film is a 1971 Pontiac Le Mans. Now, that was something I was not expecting. I always heard about this great uh, French Connection car chase. So, of course, in my head, I'm picturing car chasing car. So Chases a train. So you are in the camp that this is not a car chase. No, 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 no. Well, okay. well there is a car chasing, but when you say right. car chase, yeah, it kind of implies that car chases car. Yeah, car chase, uh, car I, chase. Well, whatever. I, 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 I have I, nothing, nothing against it. It's just not what I was expecting. It was something different. And as far as I know, uh, this sort of chase hasn't gone on as much in films. At least this doesn't seem to have been ripped off no, too much. No, but it is a an example of how that scene in Bullet, that car chase in Bullet kind of uh, got other directors thinking about putting car chases in their films. And this is one that I, th- yeah. I think is very inventive and it's a great, it's because if you think about it, you know, you got all those goofy car chases from the past and this could easily have been done very goofy. So the bad guy is on a subway he, he he gets onto a subway car, and Popeye Doyle basically just grabs a, a car, any old car, off the street. You know, I'm a cop. Get out. I'm taking this car. He grabs this crappy old Pontiac Le Mans, and he starts chasing this uh, subway car. And they're on the, um, I don't know what they're called in New York, just elevated trains in Chicago. They'd be the L train. Uh, but they have them in New York, too. And he's uh, following the subcar in the uh, you know, in this Pontiac Le Mans. He's trying to keep up with it, and he's, you know, crashing into all sorts of different people and it's it's very again it's all done um realistically not a lot of no, no close ups of you know uh someone standing in, in on a set with uh, stuff zipping behind them uh th- this is actually him actually Gene Hackman in the car following this uh this uh, subway train and what i what i liked about it is that he you know in bullet they do a lot of stretch like I mean, in Bullet, they would have been in an accident like so soon. It'd be so hard to control those cars. You'd have to be; those are like you know, you got to practice those turns over and over again, kind of thing, in order to get them just right. Whereas in uh, the French Connection, Popeye Doyle is just smacking into everything. You know, he's hit like that yeah. <laughs> car by the end of it is just a wreck. You don't even know how it's still running. He is hitting, you know, uh, little ladies, um, you know, their carriages, not the little old ladies, but he hits the carriages. He hits the sides of cars. He's running into things. He's trying to avoid the beams that are holding up the, and I just thought it was just such a, a, a great scene that um, again, you would never be able to do today. Because today, if that would happen, well, the cop would just get on his cell phone and say, hey, this car is headed to station whatever. Uh, Stop that. You know, put a hold on that train. Stop that train from moving. You know, nobody's allowed off the train kind of thing. Yeah, everything is set up perfectly so that uh, it, it makes sense why everything is happening. Again, it's just the product of the times. And uh, it, it's it's a totally different chase because, you know, Bullet, they're, they're zipping around corners. They're going down hills this way. He's following the tracks. Yeah. You know, he's he's just got to beat the train to the next station. That's it. So it's really simple of, uh, 
he he just needs to navigate his way past all the obstacles and very often through the obstacles trying not to hit anybody and beat that train so you really you really feel for him it, it's it's kind of like a time trial in a game you know yeah in fact that whole underpass scene reminded me a lot of burnout three there's that one stage where you're going under those uh under the pass there and you're trying to avoid those beams and i smash into them every time oh yeah yeah, if you want to talk about influence on video games, I forgot to mention too that uh, Bullet has a very Grand Theft Auto feel and vibe to it as well. There's a lot of stories, like just how the characters uh, interact with each other, and that it just it feels a lot not not in a goofy way, in a little more serious way, of course. But uh, even like the music, how the cars handle, and all that, you, you can see a lot of Bullet is derived into uh, uh, Grand Theft Auto. Uh, but this movie as well, this is a you know another gritty cop story in New York where they're trying to chase heroin smugglers and just a car chase thrown in there. Serious movie. Something that's totally plausible. It's not all that goofy. Yeah, I just love it. It's good times. Yeah, I never found anything goofy about the car chases. Of course, yeah, there are a lot of movies where it's all uh, camp and silliness, but no, nah, totally, totally drew me in. This... Uh, I mean, the Doyle character, Gene Hackman, is great in this movie. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. If, did, did he get any kind of award for this or I recognition in some way? But great performer. Uh, I mean, you know, car chase aside, there's so much in this movie that, that uh, works so well uh, of them uh, chasing smugglers. It's kind of like uh, in Bullet as well, where, you know, within that car chase scene, they know they're being followed. You know, yeah, uh, it, it's the same in this movie. They this guy, the frog one, you know, he's got um, uh, Doyle, Popeye Doyle and uh, and his buddy Russo there on him all the time. And he knows they're out there and he's basically just trying to keep himself, you know, in the clear. Yeah, I think the whole point, the whole time it wasn't even him. It was a different train where um, Gene Hackman is is following the one guy. And he, he's like stopping yeah, yeah. A, a drink and he's like hiding behind beams. He's getting on the train. He's getting off the train. It's yeah. all this cat and mouse. The, the whole movie is that. Cat and mouse yeah. is just like, look, I know you're following me, but I, I can't do anything to make it too obvious. I can't get myself in trouble. They need the evidence. They need to, to see just the right thing. So it, it's it really reminded me of columbo you know mm. where where columbo would be he knows who the guilty guy is all he needs is the evidence right he's just harassing him hounding him following him around and this just seemed like a uh, grittier version of columbo where yeah. he's just like I, I need the answers i'm just gonna keep watching you and following you um yeah it, it's a lot of great scenes a lot of fun good characters schneider is great I'm guessing this is the movie that got him Jaws. I imagine so, yeah. Uh, well, I, when was Jaws? This is probably Jaws. a few years early. Probably done a few things before that. Is this where we start uh, searching for stuff? Maybe. Because this is 71. Jaws is 76, 77, somewhere around there. Let me look up. There. Anyway, it's one of the reasons he probably got Jaws. I imagine so. Well he did he did another like uh cop car chase movie the seven ups have you ever seen that no that that's one i heard of uh, i believe he got it's it sounds like it's very much in the vein of uh these films 
but uh, I got to check that one out too. The ending of this movie, though, mm-hmm. boy, did that throw me for a loop. Did it? Yeah, I I was not expecting it to end that way. Yeah. Uh, um, how do we, how do we talk about the ending without? Uh... Well, there was another basically. Um, it they kind of make it clear that in the past uh Popeye Doyle he had gone too far chasing a suspect or something and it ended up with a cop being killed right i think his partner his former partner right right somewhere in the past so there's there's another character in the film who is basically trying to get Popeye Doyle off the case saying look you're out of control you're a wild man uh, somebody's going to get hurt. Somebody's going to get killed if you keep chasing this guy around. Just let it go. Uh, so there's there's a little scene with that guy towards the end of the movie. Um, and then not long after that, the movie is over. Mm. And, and the movie... You don't get the final ending that you want out of this movie. I think that is You're, the the result of this being derived from a real story. This is what what happened, right? And right. When you do, when you make when you base something on reality, you know, you just kind of show what happened, and there's really no like, there's no need to explain it. <laughs> well, yeah, way, I suppose know? it um, it ends the way a lot of based on true story movies end, where you finish all the scenes and then they put some text up on the screen Mm. to kind of let you know what happens later. Yeah. And yeah, (laughs) that's kind of the end of the movie. Yeah. Um, so you're, you're kind of left. I I felt left up in the air. Like where do I go from here? (laughs) Where, how is somebody's got to land this plane? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think that that's, really just the end of it uh there is a french connection too if you are interested i have never seen it uh yeah i've i know of it um i know schneider's not in it no uh, but gene hackman is and yeah. uh and frog one is as well um I, I but i've never seen it because i know that it is not uh, that sequel is not based on anything i think it was the reaction that the ending of the first French connection got and um, people wanted more, I guess more uh, of a closure or whatever. And I think that's where they decided to make this, this sequel mm. and it's, but it's not based on any of, uh, of the real Popeye Doyle's adventures in New York city, if you will. It's he, let's just say he continues his case on in France. He carries it on into France to find, try to find out more of what's going on. And mm. I believe I believe that movie has a more uh, coherent ending, cohesive ending to the whole thing. But uh, it's not, it's, I don't know. I just love this first movie so much. I really don't want to watch the second one and have it ruin the first movie. You know, I like the fact that it just ends the way it ends and I don't want anymore. Because to me, that's just, that's reality. That's what happens sometimes. There was also a made-for-TV movie with Ed O'Neill really? playing Popeye Doyle. Yeah. Oh, yeah? And I think it might just be called Popeye Doyle. 
Oh yeah, I think I remember that. I, think I remember, I remember. I remember seeing it come on television one day, and I saw Popeye Doyle. And at first, I thought, Oh, Popeye! Popeye? Yeah, yeah. All right, let me watch Popeye. And then uh, it started, and it's you know looks like a serious movie. I'm like, oh, okay. And I, even though I hadn't seen the French Connection, I kind of put it together. Like, mm. oh, is this the French Connection? But then there's Al Bundy. Yeah, you know, wear wearing the Gene Hackman hat and everything, which great hat by the way. He's got a very distinct hat. It's a room. toque, yeah. What us Canadians call a toque. Toque. I thought a toque to you guys was the, uh, like a knit cap, like isn't a that, ski cap. Isn't that what he's wearing? I'm looking at a picture of him right now. Or you no, mean he's got the the little mini fedora? Oh, thing, sorry, like you're you're back at the French Pie. Connection. I'm still on Popeye Doyle, the move, the the made for TV movie. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> oh yeah yeah no yeah gene hackman yeah that's um what do they call that it's not a fedora it's too small um for some reason i want to say pork pie hat is that a thing uh i think it's a thing am i gonna have to google what a pork pie hat is now this episode's googling session pork pie hat is that's exactly what it is yeah hey look at me it's just a very small one that's something yeah, good job. All right. Yeah, yeah. But uh, another great movie. It's uh, so much fun to watch. Uh, it's all the interactions with everybody. You know, um, there was a great scene where uh, Hackman and Schneider go into a bar to try to get some information. Yeah. And uh, they're they're doing a little bit of harassing, and uh, they, you know, it, it's all played off very very well. And again, you know, probably another scene that. In modern filmmaking, a lot of goofy banter, definitely uh, a lot less racism. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Hey, it was what it was back yep. in the back in the seventies. Yeah, if you want to get uh, an insight of uh, police life in the uh, in the nineteen sixties, French Connection got you covered. Good, good movie. Good movie. So there you go. All right. I liked. I liked Bullet. Yes. I liked the French Connection. All right. Here we go. Now we're going to get on to movie number three. Let's let's see do that. Let's yes. see what Richard has to say after the trailer. At last, a warm, sensitive, touching story about the close personal relationship between a man and a woman, between a trucker and his dog. Fred, I'm so damn tired of picking you up. I got to Fred. Between a father and his son. No way that you could come from my loins. And how they all took to the road one day for a quiet little drive in the country. From Georgia to Texas and back in 28 hours flat with a truckload of bootleg beer. I'll be driving this one. Hey, yeah. Blocker, blocker. You'll be driving the truck. This is Bandit 1, and that is uh, Bandit 2. <laughs> now, who would do a thing like that? <laughs> You're crazy, you know that? Yeah. You know that? <laughs> ah, yes. Okay, how much money you say it was? $80,000. Universal presents Burt Reynolds, Sally Field, Jerry Reed, and Fred. We're going to really have to cook. 
I mean, put it on the back burner and let's cook. Is that a 10-4? 10-4. And the only thing that stands between them and an $80,000 prize, Jackie Gleason as Sheriff Buford T. Justice. Smokey report for you. What's your handle, son? My handle is Smokey Bear, and I'm tail grabbing your ass right now. This is Smokey and the Bandit. The story about a lazy weekend in Alabama. Texas. Mississippi. Arkansas. Georgia. The top came off. No. We ain't gonna make it, son. We come this far, ain't we? Look, when we say we're gonna do a job, we do a job. It's me they're after. They don't even know Clint Snow exists. Oh, they don't. Well, now, I'll tell you what we're gonna do. <laughs> Smokey and the Bandit, proving once and for all, it's not where you're going that counts. It's who the hell's in back of you. All right, so Smokey and the Bandit came out in 1977. It uh, stars Burt Reynolds as the Bandit, Sally Field as Frog. Uh, frog Jack... 1 or Frog 2? No, she was just Frog in this one. Oh, the original. Uh, Jackie Gleason, was as I love this name to pieces. This is the best, one of the best names in cinematic history. Jackie Gleason plays Sheriff Buford T. Justice. Isn't that a great name? Buford T. Justice. Nothing? nothing Not at all over the top. Nothing from you. Uh, And then you got Jerry Reed, who plays the snowman. I forgot to add him in in the list here. Uh, Bandit's car is a black and gold 1977 Pontiac Firebird Trans Am. A movie that put the Trans Am on the map. Everyone wanted a Trans Am after this. Including uh, Dwight from uh, the American office. So let's just give you a rundown of the story. Big Enos wants to drink Coors at a truck show, but in 1977 it was illegal to sell Coors east of the Mississippi River without a permit. Truck driver Bo Bandit Darville agrees to pick up the beer in Texas and drive it to Georgia within 28 hours. When Bo picks up hitchhiker Carrie, that's Frog, he attracts the attention of Sheriff Buford T. Justice. Angry that Carrie will not marry his son, Justice embarks on a high-speed chase after the bandit. So this is a movie that I watched a ton as a kid. I loved it. Uh, I loved, even as a kid, I loved part two and part three. It, uh, I, you know, I was big into Dukes of Hazard. Anything with cars and police cars and chases and chase music and jumping over creeks and all that sort of stuff. I just loved, I just ate it up as a kid. And uh, today it, it all holds a special place in my heart and I still love smoking the bandit I watched it like I said twice getting ready for this thing because I know Richard's about to trash it uh so yeah let's just hear let's hear Richard's uh theory on why this movie sucks so I can uh I can rebut it or rebut it how or... did you how did you watch this as a kid did you rent it did you watch it on TV I don't remember uh I remember I th- it must have been on. There's TV. a lot of language in it, so I'm imagining if you uh, saw it on TV, they'd have. No, to I remember seeing. Down a bit. I remember seeing the full-on version of this movie. 
I, I think my parents might have uh, rented it. My dad used to fix VCRs for other people. So once in a while, we would get a VCR into the house. And in order to quality check it, to test it after he was done, we would go and rent a movie for the night. So I think that is how I got to see this movie. Or it might have been on the movie channel. Sometimes they would have a free weekend. And I would catch a few movies yeah. that way. Um, but uh, yeah, I remember watching it early. I remember all the, all the cussing was in it. Because that was some of my favorite stuff as a kid, of course. All right. In that raunchy language. Yeah. All right. Let's have it. You go and clear some space on your refrigerator. Okay. Because you're getting a gold star. What? Me. All right. I love this movie. This yes. is great. Awesome. Why would you think I would not enjoy this? Well, okay. Tell, tell me your reasoning. Well, okay. Why? Why would I hate this? So, um, there is a comedy uh, relief duo in this film that is a serious guy and a goofy kind of sidekick kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And right. I know how. Well, I, I wouldn't say he's a serious guy. Well, okay, but like the guy he, who's he like he is the comedy in his own. Right, right. He, this this is much more uh well I was just about to say um I was about to say like Laurel and Hardy, but uh it's it's a bit of the honeymooners, isn't it? Yeah. So Jackie Gleason came on late into this film. This film was just kind of thrown together in the 70s. This was like a script like uh the director i can't remember his name i didn't write it down but he was like um burt reynolds stunt coordinator and he just wrote this movie down on legal pads and burt reynolds looked at it and said yeah we're going to make this movie and everything just kind of fell together for this film uh, so at first the the director was going to play the lead but burt reynolds was too huge of a star he says you know they couldn't sell it to any studio unless he was going to play the lead role so he he was already he was on board they got um sally field who is generally, at the time, was considered to be um, sort of a child actor. She was the flying nun kind of thing. She was seen as a young girl, innocent and everything. She wanted to do uh, something a little more with adult-branded humor in it so people would mm-hmm. see her as more of an adult and and get her onto more serious roles, which worked out well for her. So the timing worked out to get Sally Field into this movie, and then Jackie Gleason just came on board, and he basically took over all of the Buford T. Justice uh, material, all those scenes. None of the stuff that Jackie Gleason utters in this film was written down anywhere, uh, other than <laughs> some point form stuff. All the stuff was him ad-libbing. And the addition of the, the, the son-in-law character was his idea. He was like, I need someone to play off in this film. I can't. It can't be just me running around angry at everybody. You got to have somebody a, se- a second banana for me to to play off of. And my God, it is brilliant. It is. He is so funny in this movie. He is just hilarious. The stuff he comes up with, the stuff he says, it's just. You got to watch it just for Jackie Gleason alone. Brilliant. Agreed. Yeah, he definitely steals the show. And it's the perfect balance with him and the sidekick because the sidekick doesn't say anything. He, right. he gets a few words in it once in a while, but is quickly told to shut up just so Jackie Gleason can keep talking. Right. And it makes more sense for him to have somebody to talk to. Otherwise, he's just shouting in the air, you know, and it, it's 
it, it doesn't feel right. But uh, the whole movie uh, was was a hoot and a half for yeah. me. I'll admit, I I don't know what I can't put my finger on it, but there was something just unappealing about watching the movie. Like it, it was just never like not in a like I'm I'm put off by it i just couldn't find any excitement in me to start the movie mm. so it, it's, so, it's um, a it's a silly premise it's a dumb premise it's one of those movies that you think is going to be really really stupid and it is on some level but i think it has that this is a thing they did very well in the 70s for a lot of comedies you think of all in the family and the jeffersons on television they would make these these shows that were appealing to i don't want to sound too insulting but to people on the lower common denominator you know they would see oh man you know drives around funny you know jumps over creek oh you know like that thing but then there was there's this other higher like there's something else going on in the comedy you know there's something else happening in the funny that appeals to you know gives you something to chew on it's not just slapstick guy falls into the creek right it's Guy falls into the creek. Jackie Gleason sees the sheriff that he's been interacting with for the first time is a black man, you know, and, you know, completely ignores the sheriff and talks to the the white guy at first thinking that he is the uh, he is the sheriff. Right. And then he realizes that he's actually talking to sheriff. And it's just that is the stuff that that racial tension and everything that just it just adds to it. Mm hmm. Yeah, it um, like I said. Yeah, I, I couldn't put my finger on why I wouldn't, why I had such a hard time starting this movie. You know, I, it's sitting there. I'm I'm waiting. It's like I gotta watch this. I'll watch it tomorrow. I'll watch it tomorrow. <laughs> finally, it was at the point where I think it was the day before we were supposed to record. And I was like, all right, let me finally put this thing in. I got a little time tomorrow, so I'll watch like 20 minutes now, and then I'll, <laughs> I'll force myself to watch it later. I couldn't couldn't turn it off like it was late. I really should have went to bed, but I, I just powered on through and I was having a time in my life because it was it was really funny. It was well put together. Um, the car chases all, all of the riding around. Very well done. Uh, Jackie Gleason, uh, the scene where he goes in to get a sandwich and, and he's sitting there and turns out that uh, uh, the bandit uh Burt Reynolds is sitting right next to him. He decides yeah. to have a little fun because at this point in the movie, he knows he's chasing the bandit, but he has no idea who, what he looks like. Right. So he, he's sitting right there next to him, decides to have a little fun with him. And he's, he's talking, he's explaining what he's doing the whole time. He's got this half eaten sandwich right. in his hand. It's dripping all over the a place. Diablo sandwich. The Diablo sandwich. Uh, he, it's, he's just going on and on and it's the physical comedy it's the way he carries himself uh, it it's the kind that's kind of what you're saying it's it's there for the lowest common denominator <clears throat> but if you can appreciate the the comedy and, yeah. and and a trained actor and and what they would go through and you know I, i've got this image of jackie gleason forever as ralph cramden but to see him step so far aside from that and to do this uh Buford T justice who's cussing and, he, and he's a little bit of a racist and you know he's he's a lovable uh, racist. It, it, it's it's a lovable character he's <laughs> yeah. definitely got the Archie Bunker 
uh, theme going on. Um, that, that. Yeah, it, <clears throat> even when he goes in there, it's like he he's asking his son, like, "You want anything?" <laughs> and he says, "Yeah, get me get me something." That, we don't have time for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted something complicated to order. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that Diablo sandwich that became a thing down in in the southern states. People would come in to you know, hey, where's this Diablo sandwich? And it, it was something that Jackie Gleason just made up on the spot. You know, some. It's got to be something fast and messy, and he couldn't think of anything, so he just made up this name, Diablo Sandwich. So then restaurants started making up their own versions of what a Diablo Sandwich is. Nice. Uh, but the scene after that, he goes he goes to the bathroom, and uh, the bandit leaves. And when he walks out and he has that, that toilet paper stuck to his, uh, to his glasses, that's rolling from the, uh, all the way from the bathroom when he walks out. He walks outside, and this, you know sweet uh, uh waitress who you know isn't the um she's not the belle of the ball can can we say she's a little uh, rotund comes out she's all frumpy and everything she's all dressed like you know she's dressed like a you know a waitress working hard right mm-hmm. and uh she comes out she's like oh excuse me sheriff and she takes the the uh the toilet paper off of his glasses and you know he nods like thanks and then she walks away and he's staring at he's like nice ass <laughs> he's walking <laughs> oh man such a yeah, great well, movie. That, well that's the weird thing about um the story is he never he, the only re well i don't know if this is spoilers i don't think so burt reynolds has the beer that that's the whole thing uh the beer is in the truck his friend is driving the truck he's driving uh, what, what do they call it? The they had a special name for the car. Oh, it's like a the blocker. Blocker, yeah, blocker. blocker. Right. That sounds right. Basically, yeah. he would ride ahead and he would check to see, you know, if there are any uh, police around. He pulled the, the police police safely? away from the from the semi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he would uh, just drive around, and he had a really really nice car, so he can always outrun them and everything. And there's this whole community on the CB with all these other truckers and everything, so they're. They're, they're trying to help him along. If they see something going on, they will obstruct uh, traffic or they'll tell him to go this way and that way. So, of course, their fear is that uh, whoever's chasing them is after the beer. They're right. going to finger them for the beer and then they're going to you know, get in trouble for that. They're going to get arrested. Uh, but the only reason he's chasing them is because he happens to pick up Sally Field, who was kind of in a shotgun marriage with uh, Jackie Gleason's son. So the whole time he's he's riding around with his um, tuxedo on, right. about to get married. Yeah. So well, and, the, uh, and the, it's never really. And the thing that pissed Jackie Gleason off is that he spent all this money on this wedding, and it'd be an embarrassment for for him to come back to this town without the bride. So right. th- that's that's his motivation for for chasing the bandit. Yeah. So he has no clue about the the truck or the beer or any of that. It's just like two separate stories going on. But there's motivation there for everybody to keep doing what they're supposed to be doing. Uh, yeah, even the, the the first scene that Jackie Gleason is in, it's just such a it's one of those uh, moments where it's just such a great uh, like introduction to a character. You know, the, so Sally Field left her car off to the side, and there's a bunch of there's a group of thugs jacking the car. By the time uh, Sheriff Buford T. Justice and his son get to get to this uh, uh, scene. So they walk out and, you know, all the guys are, are like, you know, this is back when, you know, thugs would have respect for the police and they would just stop what they're doing and they're just staring there. And he's like, hands on the, on the, 
the hood, hands on the hood, and he doesn't really say anything just yet. He's just looking at them, and then he walks up to the very first guy and just kicks him right in the ass. And then from, <laughs> yeah. from that moment on, you just know where, the direction that you're going to go with this character. You know, he's just not going to be that uh, cliched sheriff in this movie. You're going to have a, a little more fun with this guy. Yeah. I love the, the, the talking in this, like how they, they talk and everything. Like they call a, um, a, a what do you call it? Like a, a greasy spoon diner on, or a truck stop. They call it a, a choke and puke. <laughs> choke and puke, yeah. They uh, got a lot of lingo, the trucker lingo. And what, at one, in their at one point, Jackie Gleason calls a guy a moose twit. They're just, well, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what that means, but it means something to him. Uh, but there's a lot of... Uh, yeah, just good stuff in this movie. I love it. I want to see it again already. And I just watched it on Thursday. Yeah, and also, I, I think we mentioned this on a Fandango a ways back, but great cover. It, look at, look for the uh, the artwork yeah. that was done for the uh, movie poster for yeah. this. One of those great uh, hand-drawn posters that you just don't get anymore. All those Burt Reynolds movies, those car movies, like Stoker, Ace, and... Uh... The Cannonball Run movies, they all had great covers. Lots of uh, detail because they're just all like there were, especially those other movies that were an ensemble cast. So you get just a ton of characters that were all hand drawn and all their vehicles and everything on the cover. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Definitely don't get that now. Now you just get all serious photos of their faces. Photos and then they're all put in the collage where yeah. the, the main one is a little bigger and everybody gets kind of smaller. The bandit's around. car is like right in the middle, looking forward, all menacing. Yeah. Look, look at all the Marvel movies. That, yeah, that's the poster you get now. Pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. So, yeah. what else is there to good, say? Good, good movie. How do the sequels hold up? Not well at all. They are awful. Um, so, like I said, this was a movie where just everything came together. It's like Ghostbusters. Everything just comes together. It's lightning in a bottle. And they tried to um, do it again. They tried to get lightning to strike again. Uh, Burt Reynolds just let his friend uh, Dom DeLuise just have at it in the sequel. Um, they carry, they're actually carrying an elephant around. So it's not a direct sequel. It doesn't pick up where this one leaves off. No, because, yeah, at the end, well... I don't think it's really... You can't really spoil this movie. You can just have fun. You know, you're just having fun with this yeah. movie. So I, I'm not spoiling any of the fun. But in the story, yeah, at the end, they uh, go on another in another direction, right? They go to... They're heading off to Boston for some clam chowder. Yeah. Yeah, that's not, that's not where we're part two. I don't even know if they okay. mention that. But yeah, it, it doesn't, doesn't work. You don't have the sexual tension between... Uh, the frog and the bandit, you know, they're they're already so together. They are, they are back. Sally Field's yes, back. Yes, she's back. Every, Jackie I Gleason's back. I believe everybody came back for the sequel. I believe so. Hmm. Yep. Uh, right. Then the third one, that's where things really fall off the rail. Um, there's no uh, um, Burt Reynolds, no Sally Field. I think only, I think the, just the snowman comes back. Did they recast him or is it a new bandit? The snowman puts on a bandit outfit and becomes the bandit. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's not it's not good, I don't think. I think Jackie Gleason is in all of them. I think he's in the other two, but it, I, I can't remember really, like nothing, I can't remember what his character was doing. I just remember them being very bad movies, mm. uh, especially the, like the, 
Dom DeLuise was just he, he he puts on this. I think I'm not confusing it with Cannonball Run, but he puts on a superman a superhero outfit, and he does he gets superhero powers when he puts on this outfit. I might be confusing it with Cannonball Run, but I'm pretty sure that happens in Smoking the Bandit too. That's uh, kind of weird. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Smoke Smoking the Bandit feels to me a lot like Tremors in that yeah. it. It's such a silly, stupid idea that you don't expect much from, and then home run, and then they try to do it again. Yeah, and they fail. They they fail big time. Mm. Let me just see if I can see an image of Dom DeLuise in this movie, in part two. I might be confusing oh, with Cannonball Run. We didn't even really go into detail with uh, Big Enos and and his son. Yeah, uh, I guess Little Enos. Yeah, uh, who are are basically paying for bandits to deliver the Coors uh, for a celebration, right? It was some kind of a car race, and at the end they yeah. wanted to celebrate with Coors. So basically, they're they're just these like big wig Texan looking guys with the ten gallon hats and the fancy suits, and they're just you know throwing money this way and that way to entertain themselves. I bet you this. I bet you that. Yeah, there, there seems to be a theme between them and Buford T. Justice and his son with these uh, grown chil- grown men sons that keep calling their fathers daddy. Yeah. Hey, daddy. Yeah, I don't know what it is with that. I don't know if that was a southern thing back then, but it just seems a little funny. It It is weird. I don't see Dom DeLuise in a superhero outfit. But if you con- watch this movie, if you watch uh, Smokey and the Bandit, you get uh, Burt Reynolds junk, like uh, in in really tight fitting jeans. I didn't. I've never noticed that. I wasn't I was too busy oh. looking at Sally Field and her tight fitting jeans. Ooh, that yeah, that was yeah. That's why she was called Frog. She was jumping around that car. Yeah. Okay. So I'm definitely confusing yeah. it with Cannonball Run. Cannonball Run is the one where Dom DeLuise puts on the superhero outfit. So maybe it makes sense in that universe, but um, yeah, that's such, yeah. I'm looking right. at that cover for Cannonball Run as well. That's such a great. They're all like around a, a speed limit sign that says 55 miles per hour, and they're all laughing at it. That's good. <laughs> Anyways, Smoking the Bandit, two, Police yeah. Academy, uh, Gung Ho. They all have really nice covers. Gung Ho, is that what you have Gung-ho. up in your room? I have it here somewhere, but yeah. I don't have it up. I thought it, it, I thought it was going to get the spot above your uh, new shelves. I saw Moonstruck no. make it up there, but... Uh... Moonstruck was up there. I'm, I'm going to swap those out. I've had those up for a while. Okay. Uh, yeah. Actually, I just had a really good idea on how to make it easier for you to move those. Nobody knows what I'm talking about. No. Um, these movies were great. I thoroughly enjoyed all three of them. I'm three for three. Uh, I... I would say Smokey and the Bandit was my favorite among them just because I enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching it uh, more than the others. Uh, French Connection is a really, really good uh, cop drama, as is Bullet. I think I have to be in the right mood to want to sit down and do something a little serious. But Smokey and the Bandit, that is... Flip through the channels, you see it, you stop. Yeah, you, and you end up watching watch the whole thing. wherever yep. it is. And, <laughs> and you just stick with it till the end because it's just fun it's just a fun movie and uh, there's a charm to it that's that's really what's in this movie is it's just charming in a certain way 
uh, that's missing in all the sequels. Uh, and in mm. the, you know, there's just it doesn't have that charm. This one is this missing is a... missing from modern filmmaking as well. You know, just to have that charismatic uh, character to to be your lead, and uh, a great supporting cast that are not obnoxious that can still provide comic relief and and do the silly stuff like um, um, his buddy Snowman and his dog and all that you know, dog always going in the river and walking this way, walking that way, yeah. hungry. Like the bandit wow. is, they set it up in a nice way too, because he is, he is all that in this movie. Every, everyone sees him as all that, except for himself and his friend, the snowman, who he needs to help him bring all this stuff all over the place. And it's the snowman's wife, of course. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, no one else has to take, it's like watching a, a stuntman, you know, no one else has to take the risk, right? Whereas these guys, like the bandit himself and, and the wife and, and the snowman have to take the risk. They're the ones that have to put all this stuff on the line. So it's just funny how they're not like now today, especially like you watch the, the Marvel stuff and all that. Everyone has like this uh, arrogance about them, you know, that they, they really know what they're doing. Um, yeah, you're something special. Right. But the bandit just doesn't see himself as something special. He's just like, sure, let's do this thing. Why not? Let's keep the legend of the bandit going. You know, even though he doesn't really truly believe in it. Um, a lot of, uh, but there was a, did you notice that there was a few Dukes of Hazard uh, actors in this movie that uh, made it in there? Um, no, I didn't. Enos is the is the cop on the bike. Like Enos from Dukes of Hazard. Enos from Dukes of Hazard. Yeah, he's the cop on the bike. Remember, and he chases he chases them for a bit, and he ends up in uh, he ends up in the drink. He ends up in the okay, water. Okay, okay. Another cop comes up to him and says, "Hey, what are you doing in there? It's not Saturday." Because <laughs> that's right. like a really old time joke where people <clears throat> used to only take a bath on Saturday. Yeah, I saw a lot of people searching online like why does this cop say that what's the joke there they didn't get it uh, uh he was no, in there i haven't seen dukes of hazard in a long time uh, crazy cooter is in there for a split second um and i think there was there another one i think that was it, it was Catherine Bach. she was definitely not in it no no but she is in another uh she's in uh, cannonball run in a tight outfit uh, Catherine Bach or yep. Sally Field? No, Catherine Bach. I think uh, Sally. I'm asking you, Catherine Bach or oh. Sally Field? I'd have to get back to you on that one. That's that's a tough one. We're discussing acting ability. Yes, of course. What else would we be discussing? Disgusting. <laughs> how about so if, it 19, if it were 1971, we wouldn't have to pretend. How about both at the same time? In a feature film, acting with each other. Mm. Yeah. Acting. Acting. Yes. All right, I think, is that it? Is, do we have anything else left to say? <laughs> uh, no, these are three fine films. I, I think uh, if you're in the... the in the mood for something uh, a little gritty and, and moody, uh, check out Bullet or French Connection. And if you want to just sit down and have some fun, Smokey and the Bandit. Yeah, absolutely. I think you can get all three of the Smokey and the Bandit movies on DVD for like 10 bucks or something. 
They're mm. dirt cheap. Mm. But I, I, I really can only recommend the first one. Okay. But what do you have to say? Yeah. If you, if you have thoughts on these films and you want to share them, go ahead on over to the forums, cartridgeclub.org. Red Hot Retro Forums. Retro Fandango. This is episode number eight of uh, Film Dango. I think so. Something should be posted up in there. Uh, if you got your thoughts on these f- films or uh, something similar, let us know what you got to say. And uh, Twitter, all that stuff. Twitter, retro underscore Fandango. Ratings, give us ratings on stuff. We're going to do this again. I don't know when. I don't know either. Is it going to... The, the whole monthly thing seems to have uh, died off. It's I don't hard. mind. It's, it's hard to, to squeeze these in, I think. I, I think it depends on uh, what we're doing. If yeah. we get really excited for it. Uh, which the idea we, we still have going on is the animation episode coming up. Uh, Iron Giant, yep. right? Yep. Uh, Titan AE. Yep. People have been throwing at us. Yep. And Beavis and Butthead Do America. Is that what the one? Are those the three? Yeah, those are the three. All right. Let's do it. I'm going to write it down now. Make it official. Oh, on your legal pad. That's right. It's actually Bert a... Reynolds make you do it. Titan AE, Beavis and Butthead, and... Iron Giant. Iron Giant. All right. That's it. It's official. This kind of... This might be a, a rehash of this episode in a way, because it seems like we have two serious animation films and one just goofy have at her fun film serious huh i i think so iron giant's a little bit beavis of a... and butthead is, beavis and butthead's the only one that i've seen and it's been a long time well i know iron giant has has some uh comic comedic moments in it but overall that's um that's it's a it's animation it's not a cartoon it is animation that is Brad Bird, yes, the the Incredibles guy and the Simpsons, Simpsons. guy. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So that yeah, sense. that is probably what we're gonna do, unless we decide to do something else. Yeah. All right. I guess that's it. All right. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back with the regular Fandango next week. Probably. No promises. <laughs> Should be. Maybe. Put the evidence in the back. There's no way, no way that you could come from my loins. Soon as I get home, the first thing I'm gonna do is punch your mama in the mouth.